This is a podcast by The Straits Times. This is Asian Insider and I'm Nirmal Ghosh. Now in India, the government of Prime Minister Narendra Modi in September passed three new pieces of legislation aimed at deregulating the farm sector. Farmers, already under considerable stress, see the farm bills, as they are called, as having been passed without adequate consultation and basically favoring corporate interests, not theirs. So tens of thousands trundled to New Delhi in protest on foot and in convoys of tractors and trucks. At the border, they were met with water cannons and tear gas, which only strengthened their resolve. This has become a major challenge to the strongman prime minister. To discuss the ramifications of these farmer protests, we have today Dr. Parna Pandey, research fellow and director of the Initiative on the Future of India and South Asia at the Hudson Institute here in DC. And we have Straits Times India Bureau Chief Nirmala Ganapati in New Delhi. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Nirmala, if I may start with you, can you give us some quick history as to the core issues? This is not the first farmers' protest in India. What is different this time around? I think uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi, um, who's been in power since 2014, and he's well into his second term, has not faced a protest like this before. Um, he, he has, since coming to power, he has been on a reform agenda. Uh, he has, um, you know, brought in some of some major reforms, like in 2017, he brought in the goods and services tax, uh, and so on and so forth. But and these three farm laws are, you know, one of the biggest uh, agriculture reform that India has seen in years and the agriculture sector is in dire need of reforms, um, you know, it's beset by a series of problems from failure to boost productivity uh, uh, to, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, the dependence of farmers on rains and uh, growing costs of fertilizer and seeds. Uh, so which makes uh, farming a very tough proposition in India. Um, so, 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 you know, this protest uh, has hit the government really hard. You have tens of thousands of farmers who are uh, on uh, several points uh, along the uh, Delhi border, uh, and they are in no mood to kind of uh, uh, compromise. Uh, they want a repeal of these three farm laws. And uh, there have been six rounds of talks with the government. And so far, it's not yielded uh, any results in the sense that the government has been willing to backtrack on some points and kind of assure them of a price support from the government. Uh, but uh, that hasn't been enough. So uh, it, it's truly a huge challenge for the Modi government because at this point, uh, the farmers have uh, refused and, you know, to take back a law to repeal a law would really set uh, quite a bad precedent in a way. And I don't think that's happened that, you know, there have been laws which have been repealed because they've become obsolete. But I don't think we've seen, uh, you know, a law being repealed, which was passed by par parliament, you know, soon after. So, so yeah, it is a huge challenge. And uh, many people are comparing these protests to what happened in the 80s. Uh, during the late and former Prime Minister Rajiv uh, Gandhi's tenure, where 500,000 farmers occupied central Delhi. And at that time, you know, within a week, uh, the government had uh, kind of listened to the farmers and given into their demands, which included waivers on electricity dues, etc. So the farmer protests have been going on for nearly a month. 
and they are showing little signs of uh, dispersing. Uh, you know, they're quite adamant that they want a repeal of all the three farm laws uh, and are not willing to uh, meet the government halfway. So clearly the government has a challenge on its hand. So is this, a, do the farmers have a point? Is this a case, another case of abrupt deregulation like we saw in uh, Modi 1 with the demonetization? Uh, because the farmers say they weren't consulted, but they have been consulted, but do they have a point? Uh, I think they do have a point because, um, you know, this, the, the three laws, basically the laws, what it will do is allow farmers uh, to directly sell to private companies. Um, it facilitates uh, that sale. It cuts out these uh, government regu regulated wholesale markets and commissioning agents. But for farmers, uh, this is a system that they are comfortable with. This is a system that helps them. For instance, a lot of farmers, uh, you know, talk about how commissioning agents give them a lot of leeway when it comes to uh, buying their uh, produce. Um, you know, there are instances of how they take money from these commissioning agents and uh, perhaps give them the produce six months later. So they act as an informal banking uh, system in a way. So for these farmers, they are very scared that, you know, once uh, these laws, like once these laws are implemented, they will be uh, also at the mercy of big corporates. So there is a lot of mistrust among farmers about big corporates. There is a sense that, you know, they will be taken advantage of. So th there is a huge trust deficit here as well. And and they, there are points. I mean, uh, the farmers do have uh, points because they, they, you know, big corporate coming in, they're not comfortable with it. So you have to, I think the government needs to take the farmer along. It'll be difficult to kind of implement these laws, particularly in these parts. Dr. Pandey, uh, images of these protests have ricocheted around the world and there are clearly international ramifications already. India's Minister of External Affairs the other day pulled out of a Canada-led international COVID meeting because Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had been critical of the Indian government over this. New Delhi, in fact, summoned Canada's High Commissioner to complain. Is this hurting India's image overseas? Um, thanks, Nirmal. Pleasure to be back on Asian Insider. I, I mean, I guess what these protests show us are the three things, right, according to me. Uh, one, diaspora politics. Uh, when you have a large and diverse diaspora, like India does, uh, that participates in domestic politics uh, in countries where it lives, it's deeply integrated in those countries. It can be a positive. It helps bilateral relations, can also create challenges because then leaders in other countries will comment on Indian internal politics. Second, all politics is local in every country, whether it's India, it's Canada, UK, or any other country around the world. So politicians in these countries, whether Prime Minister Trudeau um, or the 36 uh, British MPs who wrote to Prime Minister Boris Johnson about these protests, they're doing it because they have constituencies um, where there are large numbers of Punjabis and Sikhs um, who have family members and who are therefore concerned about their family members back home in India. And third, um, sort of, you know, these protests, uh, we live in a day and age of social media. Um, and so a protest in one part, in one country will always have an impact around the world. There'll be those who are directly involved and there'll be those who are either human rights or for civil rights or other issues. So it is natural for this to happen, um, even more natural when you have a diaspora which is as large as India's.
Okay, so there are some attempts in some sections of the diaspora to insert the Khalistan message. Now, for those watching or listening to us who are unfamiliar, the Khalistan movement of the early 1980s basically sought an independent homeland for Sikhs. It was a long and very bloody conflict. Some of us, I, I certainly lived through it in Delhi at the time. Um, so we won't sort of focus too much on that because that requires hours of programming. But only recently, at a protest at the Indian Embassy here in D.C., a Khalistan flag was draped over the head of the statue of, of uh, Mohandas Gandhi. Granted, not all the protesters were enthusiastic about it. But the Khalistan messaging has re-emerged among sections of this diaspora, particularly in North America and the U.K. Yet the farmers' protests are not about Khalistan. Can you pass that a bit for us? Yes. So the farmers' protests are about what Nirmala mentioned earlier. Um, there are problems, uh, sort of, you know, the Indian government, governments for long, for a very long time have tried to uh, bring about reforms in the agricultural sector. Uh, so the protests in Delhi and other, and in Punjab and other parts of India are about the farm laws and they have to do with internal domestic issues uh, and differing views of the farmers or the lobbies or the government. Uh, protests in most most countries around the world and the majority of these protests are protests by by family members or by people who are uh, affected directly or indirectly by what is happening. Uh, some of them are family members, some of them are civil society or human rights activists. But yes, in these protests, we have noticed, just as we noticed in protests earlier this year, when they were against the CAA, the, uh, the anti-CAA, Citizenship Amendment Act of India, when those protests took place, that there were certain uh, uh, that, that certain Khalistani groups, uh, both in United States, in Canada, in UK, uh, became part of these protests and tried to divert the, the main issue, which in this case is protest against the farm laws, towards of, uh, towards their issue, which is a demand for a referendum in, in Punjab and a demand for a Khalistani state. Um, I mean, I'll give you two examples. Just in the last few months, um, there's a group based in the United States um, called Sikhs for Justice. And, they, and the leader of the Sikhs for Justice has actually written letters both to the Chinese premier, uh, Chinese president uh, Xi Jinping, and the Pakistani premier Imran Khan asking for support and pledging support of the Khalistani movement, both for China and for Pakistan, and asking their support in return. Mm -hmm. So, Nirmala, in uh, Delhi, what is the situation at the moment? The Supreme Court has apparently quite recently ruled that the government should set up, the and the unions who are backing the farmers should set up a mediation committee. Obviously, it's in the, it would seem to be in the Modi government's interest to sort this issue out soon before it really gets out of hand and these other forces come into play. What is the thinking in Delhi? Um, the thinking thing is Delhi is, of course, uh, the Modi government would like nothing better than to resolve this issue and for the farmers to basically go home. Uh, but uh, it's become very complicated because uh, the farm groups are quite insistent that they don't even want, uh, you know, moderators. They want a complete, they're quite adamant that they want a repeal of these uh, farm laws. So um, it's a very tough situation for the Narendra Modi government uh, for them to kind of negotiate with the farmers. 
um, because um, I don't think the Modi government will be looking at a repeal of the farm laws. I mean, that will be very difficult and it could also set a precedent. So it's really a very tough uh, situation. Um, as I said earlier, um, Mr. Modi uh, has had this reformer image since he came into power in 2014. So while his political standing is still quite high and he's still a popular leader, um, you know, his uh, reform, uh, reformist uh, image may take a, a kind of, may have, this may have an impact on his uh, reformist image in a sense. So um, the situation is still quite uh, volatile in a sense that there is no resolution so far. Uh, and there seems to be, I mean, so far, uh, th there's no way of saying how this is going to kind of evolve. Uh, for sure, um, uh, you know, it's a tough, tough proposition for the government. And Dr. Pandey, back to you for a last word, actually. Um, very quickly, do you think that these protests and the way the government in India has handled them is going to, are going to figure in, you know, U.S. Congress in the incoming administration? We have a Joe Biden administration coming in early next year, January 20th, and the general perception is that they will be a little tougher on human rights issues. So do you think this will sour things a bit in terms of the rosy uh, India-US relationship? Or will it, is it, does the strategic relationship actually supersede all this? Um, I believe the, the, the strategic uh, relationship supersedes all of this. But there will be discussions if these protests last into January and February, then there will be discussions in the House, uh, just as they were on the CAA and the events inside Kashmir. Um, so I believe it sort of, you know, it depends on how long these protests rise. But even if these protests do not continue till, till that time, there will be more discussion in a democratic administration on how uh, the world's largest democracy does, uh, does act inside its own country. And the fact, you need to remember, there are 4 million Indian Americans in this country. Um, and so it's not just going to be a question of what happens inside India and India's domestic politics, but it's going to be in how Indian Americans view what is happening and what they tell their congressmen and senators. Dr. Pandey, Nirmala Ganapati, thank you very much for being a Nation Insider today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. So much. Pleasure. So as we've heard, these farmers' protests are ongoing and they present really the first big challenge for the Narendra Modi government and they have international ramifications as well and could very well go out of hand. So it is definitely in the interests of the Indian government to find a settlement with the farmers. For Asian Insider, I'm Nirmal Ghosh. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.